Hello, welcome to the Crazy Bird podcast. I'm your host, Violeta Kaminska, and today I'm with a wonderful artist, Todd Schroeder. Hi, Todd. Hello. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Great, thank you. I am going to introduce you to our listeners. I have a short bio to share with the listeners, and then I will jump right into our conversation. Todd Schroeder is an artist based in Savannah, Georgia, where he's a professor of painting at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Schroeder has shown his work internationally, including solo shows at White Columns, New York, Jepson Center, Telephone Museum of Art, Savannah, Georgia, William Basta Gallery, Cleveland, Savannah College of Art and Design, Pinnacle Gallery, Kent State University, Gallery Stokes in Atlanta, and Laney Contemporary, Savannah, Georgia. He has been in numerous group shows, including Bridget Donahue Gallery, Exit Art, AC Project Room, and 407 Gallery, all in New York City, Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia, Case Western Reserve University, Cleveland State University, Oberlin College's Here Here Gallery, Mood Gallery in Hong Kong, as well as several venues in Serbia and Montenegro, including the Contemporary Art Center Montenegro, the National Gallery of Serbia in Belgrade, Serbia, and the Contemporary Art Museum of Vojvodina in Novi Sad, Serbia. Schroeder's work has been reviewed in the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Time Out, New York, Art Pulse Magazine, and the Cleveland Plain Dealer, among others. Schroeder has worked at the Dia Art Foundation for the painter Bryce Martin and taught at Oberlin College and Kent State University. It's a great pleasure to have you here, Todd. Now I feel like I need to take a deep breath <laughs> after reading some of your accomplishments. I know there is so much more. So I had a pleasure to meet you, Todd, at the Laney Gallery during the opening of your show. Yeah. And then I had another pleasure to see you and your work during your talk, which we, I think now it's referred to as hashtag Todd Talk. I really love that. <laughs> So once again, welcome uh, and thank you so much for accepting my invitation. And since I've talked so much, I would love, uh, I'm sure listeners would prefer to hear you and from you now. I am mesmerized by your paintings. I've seen a lot and I heard you talk about your paintings. I saw a video on Laney Gallery um, website of your process. It's really fascinating and I'm just really uh, excited to have you here. So once again, thank you for accepting my invitation. My You've been doing your art for quite some time. Can you share with us your artistic journey and what is it that you're exploring in your paintings? Um, yes, it has been quite a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been painting, um, I don't know what, since, since the 80s. Graduated from college in 1990, so professionally, I guess, since then. My process varies. I kind of have a few... I almost always have a few sort of tracks that I'm sort of pursuing. Um, my undergraduate degree is in painting, but my graduate degree is in sculpture and painting. Um, but I initially kind of went back to school. I was out of school for 11 years. I went back to grad school. Um, and when I went back to grad school, I it was interesting because I... I I moved after undergraduate in, in Ohio, then I moved to New York City, and I, and I lived in New York, and like I mentioned in the bio, I worked at Dia Art Foundation, and then I worked for the, for the painter Bryce Martin as his studio assistant. Um, anyway, maybe what I'll do is I'll just jump way ahead and just talk about the last body of work, the show that I have up at Laney Contemporary in Savannah, mm -hmm. 
right now. Oh, that, that's great. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me, but I kept staring, especially those two paintings. And I could see city, New York City, which is kind of interesting because you really lived there. But I couldn't help. I had my own vision of what I was looking yeah, at. And it was very um, urban. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. I mean, I like that within the paintings. I mean, I, you know, as a maker, I think I find a specific thing within the painting. But I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't usually set out with a very clear idea of what the end product's going to be. Um, usually there's, you know, I kind of, I'm approaching it with some vague notions of what it's going to be, but it's really in the, in the process of making that it, it, you know, that it kind of, that it takes shape. And I, I often am working on various things at one time. So some solution that I might find in one painting makes its way into another painting and then I kind of bounce back and forth. So usually in the studio, I try to have like three kind of big paintings working at the same time. And I also work on drawing and, and that sort of thing as well. Um, so with the, um, with the Laney show, um, which closes today, actually, is the last day for it. Um, uh, with that show, I, um, the last solo show that I had with Laney was about two and a half years ago. And um, so right when that show was done, I just continued to work and was working also on another show that's coming up in Atlanta. And, but I don't work with the, the idea of, a, you know, a specific show in mind. I usually just kind of follow a train of thought or a few different trains of thought. And I, when the date was solidified for, for the show, I just kind of looked around at what I'd been making and sort of put this work over here and said, you know, that's not going to be the show. Put this work here and said, this is going to be the show. And then, and then looked at that work and then sort of built on the, on that idea. So I kind of focused in on the idea and I had been just using the, this uh, X motif quite a bit. And so then I sort of, focused in on that more, made more paintings, incorporating some of the approaches, techniques, and sort of ideas that sort of came about more organically in the, you know, in the process. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. I took a look at your Instagram account, yeah. especially those uh, posts with your work. There's a lot of layers, mm -hmm. not just physically, that I kind of like to explore. Some of your, your work feels very urban, and I already told you that multiple times and even during the show, the opening, when I just felt like the New York scene was so present and the work is very abstract. So there's no literally, you don't show streets of New York or people walking. There is this kind of vibe from work. Also, there was music playing during the opening. I think it was jazz. It really made me, transported me to New York late evening and I was there in the street. I'm moving around a little bit. I started with your Instagram post and what I was getting at was that in one of the posts, you had an object that you were painting with and I feel like, and maybe I'm not wrong, so correct me, I feel like you're very experimental not only in exploring your subject matter, yeah. but also tools you're working with because uh -huh. I remember seeing a silk flower that you were using as a brush and then I saw some sticks and so I thought that, that was also very engaging and then, like I mentioned I saw you your process video on Laney Gallery website so I find it really interesting and fascinating can you share a little bit of that is there a need for you to explore tools also and does it play a part especially when you explore a particular subject matter because X is a, I don't like to come back to the X motif that's very complex also motif and I heard your talk so I would love yeah. to hear more about it yeah I mean to the question of the tools a lot of times I mean this is something I talk to students about 
all the time as well. This idea of painting being led by the material and by the tools, kind of shifting outside of this idea of subject matter into making and sort of putting that in the foreground of consideration. Mm -hmm. I think the music metaphor is a good one, especially for abstraction. And not that I feel like I'm making visual music, because I'm not, but I'm thinking about this idea of if you are if you're making music and you're playing instruments and there's four different people together playing instruments and say somebody's playing a saxophone or someone's playing a guitar or so you don't hide the fact that you're playing a saxophone or a trombone or whatever those things might be it's not hidden within into the subject matter it is the subject matter and i think in the history of painting pre-abstraction painting or painting that has illusion as its main focus, the tool and the material gets hidden into the illusion uh, and, and into the subject, perhaps. So so this is kind of the other side of the, the coin. And I also have a lot of history with um, mm. building and making. I used to make a living, used to pay my bills by doing primarily plastering. I did a lot of plastering. So a lot of those tools that come from that made their way into the painting process. And I've also always been really interested, since I was exposed to it, aesthetically, minimalism in material-based work. So when I worked for Bryce Martin, I mean, at the time, he wasn't making the monochrome paintings. He was well into sort of calligraphic, linear paintings. But his whole early first half of his career was all making these monochrome paintings. So I never watched him do that, but it was always around. I mean, you know, it was around in some way. So I think that experience, I mean, that experience of being around someone that spoke about work in that way really gave me, I mean, I feel like it gave me a lot of permission, made it seem a viable way of making. So I've always just really opened that up. And um, the Silk Flower uh, post... That was, those are paintings that I am making, but I'm making them in the classroom with my students. It is like an analytical abstraction kind of project. Everyone is not making, everything doesn't look the same, but we're kind of, we're using natural forms and then moving away, you know, abstracting, moving away from them. Mm -hmm. But we're also within that introducing tools that are, that, don't have that you that you that they as painters don't have a history of using before so it's kind of a way to push out push incident to push accidents and then consider all those kind of peripheral things how do they decide on a tool is there subject matter that you give them for the painting kind of directs the tool or no the tool is completely a random up to students up to you a choice. Yeah, it's complete. It is completely up to them. But I, I do give the example of you know things connected to long sticks, so you're really far away from it. You know, and there's there's a there is a historical precedent for that in modernism. You know, I mean, there's famously those you know pictures of Matisse drawing you know in bed with the things up on mm -hmm. the wall and de Kooning painting with long brushes and Cy Twombly, Bryce Martin. So there's some precedent there, but then I, I mean, they bring in all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? I mean, like, you know, I had some student who made all their first paintings with banana peels um, and they were great. You know? <laughs> and, and he's like, and they're free too. You know, the idea of like going out, I always encourage people, you know, not to, 
they, what they need to do is buy some tape of some sort, you know, but other than that, mm-hmm. everything should be like things that they can find. So talking about tape, that kind of brings, brings oh, yeah. me to access. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about the X theme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that mostly for me that comes from something I started doing in 2016. After the election of Donald Trump, I started, I sort of set this project in motion. My mother-in-law also lives in Savannah. And so she would get the Sunday New York Times. And so she would read it and then she would give the Times to me. So I would take the New York Times and it was always, it always just felt so Just even to recycle it just felt so wasteful. You know, it's like, what can you do with all? So there was that that aspect of it, but it was a minor part of it. Initially, I'd take all the uh, op-ed pages and and just kind of all the reporting, the political reporting. And there was so much. There was so much of that then, obviously. And it also was something that was, that I, I mean, I was really taken aback by the pendulum swing, the U.S. politics there. And so, and flabbergasted, really. <laughs> so, but what I did is I put a, a grid on top of, because I've been making, prior to this, I've been making these dot matrix sort of paintings where there's a grid and I blow a, with an atomizer, a mouth atomizer, and blow paint up onto the grid and organize it in such a way that it would create letters, which would create text. So what I did is I took the New York Times, I put that same grid matrix over the top of it and then I would blow dots on it that would spell out ha ha so it was like ha ha you know and then the ha ha turned into x's and also z's x's kind of meaning more distinctly meaning at that point is like protest no and stop and then there was z's which kind of that whole thing about encouraging people to wake up and see what is the reality of this and then all the other kind of things that could come from all of those ideas so anyway that's where the x net and then the x the other ones kind of fell to the wayside and the x became the one that i really just sort of did and i did that project for um weekly i would do five to ten pages on the new york times for like a year and a half Uh, and I still do it every once in a while, but uh, not, I kind of stopped it as a, as a standard thing. So anyway, back to the X's. So when um, I was making these paintings and I had them in the studio and what I do with them initially when I start them is I put down the ground of gesso or whatever and the sand that and put down another ground and I, and I mix some, I mix some stuff into the, to the gesso to make it give it like a really kind of, almost like a fresco-y kind of feel. Sand it, do more coats of it, and get a really smooth surface. And then I start applying um, oil paint, just straight from the tube. I mix a little bit of like alkyd in there to, to make it set not so shiny and to dry a little faster. Mm-hmm. And I put that all on with the knife and, I, and then I have, a large, I have a large spatula. You can't see this in, in TV or in radio land, but there's a big large spatula that I can yes. see it on Zoom <laughs> right now. <laughs> that I um, that I then smooth it all out with. It's like battering a cake and then like, or not, you know, it's like frosting a cake. Let that dry. Do it again. Let that dry. Adjust the color. You know, sometimes it's getting the surface just how I want it. Sometimes it's the color. Sometimes I'll find the color is right, but the surface isn't built up rich enough yet. You know, so there's this kind of back and forth. And so it's they're really like, They're really like monochrome paintings before I work back on top of them with some kind of gesture. So I had these painting surfaces going. I think I had like three of them in the studio and I'd bounce back and forth between them and they'd dry at various rates. And so 
they were kind of ready for me to work on them. You know, they had cured enough that I could do things to them. Like I could, mm-hmm. pa- I could tape on top of it and, and take the tape off and it wouldn't hurt the pain or whatever. So this really, I mean, it kind of just hit right with all the protests after George Floyd's death, murder. So I was, you know, there was a few local ones in Savannah that we attended and I was just always very plugged in. And my, my son and my wife's family, they all live in Brooklyn and they were part of the protest there. And, you know, it was just something that was really, I mean, as you remember, you know, it was mm-hmm. something that was very present. And sometimes the studio can get kind of hermetic, you know, <laughs> like it's, and yeah. it was, but it, I, you know, it's not the kind of thing that I could have locked out or, or wanted to. So I, I think, uh, sorry to interrupt, I think for artists, and when I talk to my students, I mean, we live in the reality, unless you live in a bubble, right. we are all affected by what we hear, what we see, what's happening around us, our emotions. And it, some, one way or another, it makes its way to our yeah. work, even subconsciously. Yeah. And I also wanted to bring up something. You have this crazy bird somewhere in your backyard, which I'm hearing and enjoying, yeah. and I'm hoping this is getting recorded because I enjoy it really. It's very appropriate for the Crazy <laughs> Bird podcast. While you're talking, there's a crazy bird talking to but, yeah, sorry. no, that's, I mean, we have, we kind of live in a bit of a urban forest here and um, we have a lot and, and we have a lot of owls, a lot of barred owls that you hear chattering, like speaking of crazy birds, I mean, the amount of mm-hmm. crazy sounds that the barred owls make is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so back to the X. So, you know, I'm looking at the paintings, trying to think of what, what to do with them, you know, and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to tape off of X here. And so put the painting down, laid out a big straight edge. So it's like, it's an X, that's, but it's very exacting. So it's not like a, it's not a gestural X, which I do mm-hmm. do and have done. But this, I wanted it to, I, for what reason, I'm not quite sure. It just made sense to. And so what I did is I made it, they're rectangular canvases. They're five by four feet. So what I did was a four by four foot square at the top of it. And then um, taped it off. When I taped it off, I only had in the studio like a three-quarter inch tape. But I knew I wanted to have it a little bit more substantial in terms of the line on the painting. It just felt like that was too thin. So I doubled the tape up. Anyway, so I put that down and tried to seal it down as well as I could. And then have it down on the floor. And then mixed up some gray paint because it was a yellow. It was a yellow painting underneath and trying to figure out what kind of color to use. And I think that the, this kind of gray with the yellow, there's something that's really sort of pleasing in some way about that. And, but also not introducing two colors, um, kind of. I don't know, I don't know why exactly. But, so I mixed up a big liquidy bunch of that. And then I have these, I'll show you because you can see under the zoom. I have these really large, relatively large um, brushes that really load up. I can really load up a lot of paint into them. Mm-hmm. They're big Skoda round brushes. And just stood over the top of it and just very quickly um, made these sort of gestural marks on the painting. Sort of stood back. What I usually do is like, I don't stand the painting up because I want I don't want there to be drips. I just want the, I just want the marks to be there, the gestures to be there, kind of like, like frozen in time, like a snapshot of something, you know, that happens and then sort of freezing in time. So climb on my chair and I'm looking down. I didn't remove the tape yet because I wanted to, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be done with it. And I think that the gray with the yellow at that point just felt too unified, too, too calm or something, you know? 
So then I mixed up some black paint, went back over top of it. When I removed the tape, I had that moment. I mean, it was like a, a little, it's like one of those moments as an artist where it's wordless. You know, it's just like one of those moments where you're like, yeah, you know, click. It's like a click. I was like, that worked. And it felt right. Like it felt right about kind of the, some idea of protest, some idea of, and also the thing that occurred to me, and it's something that is something that I work with all the time and think about all the time is, is that it connected to like a, it represented an idea of paradox. Because what happened with that X is that it actually became a figure, like in a ground, a figure in a ground. And what, what became the ground was the gestural mark, which is actually the figure in this regard. So the, the, the figure of the X is actually the ground, and then the paint is applied on top of it. But the, due to the one, the proportion of that, of the X relative to the other, and also the symbolness of it, you know, the kind of readability of the symbol also came. And so it just ended up having this really, to me, a really, really interesting tension. Really, you could talk about, I think, semiotics here. It's, um, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. So that was that was a kind of a leading one. When I made that one, that led me into, I was like, okay, I'm going to... I want to remake this one in different, slightly different ways. So I sort of set about, I mean, I make all my own, usually, for the most part, mm -hmm. I make all my own stretchers. So I was like, I'm going to make more stretchers that size. And so like that one sat for a while. And I also had a big square one. I think I made the square one right after that one too, because I made more to make more, I made more stretchers to make more rectangular pieces like that one. And then I made a big square because I wanted to, I liked what happened at the bottom in a way. I mean, I like it. I do, do like it, but I, I think I wanted to see what would happen if I just made it just like a, a square with a, just an X. Like I just wanted to see like the power, like what happened with the power of that. So I made a big square one as well, which is in the show. And it's the one that's like on the cover of the, it's like on the, the card and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I think that's the story of the X. <laughs> and then with the X, the work I saw at the Laney Gallery, you had also the spray paint, and then there was there were the dots. Yeah, I actually explored more after I saw that work. I explored more of your spray paint work that I got to see on especially Laney Gallery website. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting to me to see what was happening. There was some. Everything was abstract, but yet I could see, for example, flowers. There's a lot of energy. I see a flower there, but also the layers behind it. It's almost like I'm looking at a window. I cannot see everything. I feel like I'm watching an old movie. So it's very interesting because it's not exactly what I saw during the show, where the spray paint was very energetic. And here it's very calming and zen-like to yeah. me. Can you tell us a little yeah, bit about your sure. spray paint? Yeah, yeah. So just to make clear what I'm doing there is it's all done with an atomizer. So it's, a, it's all blown on by myself. So I am the spray paint can. <laughs> um, so it's like I, it's all acrylic and, and or um, flash paint, which is like a vinyl-based water. Water. So you are a tool. Actually. I am. Yeah, I'm the tool. <laughs> yeah, you're the tool. <laughs> it's not exactly something you want to hear people say, but about people. No, <laughs> well, we're talking about paintings here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what I do is I mix them all up into little containers. I can, again, show you this. But mm -hmm. so like, this is one of the scenarios. So this is the atomizer. And then this is the the bottle that I mix the paint up and so I can mix whatever colors I want and mix it into a liquidy thing. And then I use the snap line to grid the canvas off. So this is a, the one that you have pulled up here is 
pretty big. I don't have the dimensions aren't right. Oh, I can see them right here. 24 by 24. Oh, that's a different, that's a whole different scenario there. Yeah. Um, that piece is, um, is on plexiglass. So I made a bunch of paintings for a couple of years on sheets of quarter inch plexiglass. So they're thick, like thick, much thicker than you kind of think about plexiglass. So like plexiglass that's in a, like a regular, you know, frame thing or something. It's like three times the thickness, thickness of that. And, um, and then they're, they're like held off the wall. They have like cleats on the back of them. So they're kind of held off the wall by like three quarters of an inch. So they float. And, mm -hmm. um, what I did with them is I, I'd sand the surface down. So it's like translucent. Like you could, you know, if you put your hand on the back of it before I painted or anything, you put your hand on it, you'd be able to see your hand. So a lot of what's happening in there. So like the yellow that you can read through there, that is. Um, mm -hmm. that's actually painted verso, you know, it's, it's on the back side of it. And so what I would do is I would put down whatever color I might put on there and then cover the whole thing then with a coat of white paint. So you would, so you would look through the plexiglass to the color and then be stopped by the, the white paint that I put on the top. So that actually mm -hmm. is, I am using spray paint on that one um, for the color aspect of it. Um, regular spray paint, like like mm -hmm. made for plastic. And then what's on the front is oil paint uh, that is put on, again, with the kind of big brushes like I showed you. And what I would do with those is make a mark of some sort, a gestural sort of mark, and then kind of, if I wasn't really happy with the result, um, sort of squeegee it away. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I would really clean it off and sometimes they just kind of do it fast and do another code and then there starts to be this kind of atmospheric kind of perspective sort of thing that happens with it there's almost a digital aspect because of the blurriness mm -hmm. a little bit in some parts you know it's just hard to tell and then there's very painterly but also sculptural element here it feels like it's almost 3d yeah. to me i don't know if the word whimsy but it's more i, I really get lost in a good mm -hmm. way it's very zen-like i will share um, a link to that image so our listeners can take a look at it cool. but to me it feels like it stops me it, it, it's calming me down although the colors are you know there's lots of grays right, right? and different strokes and it, there are quite a few like diagonal lines which to me it's always movement mm -hmm. and yet i feel still looking at it mm -hmm. in a good way so I, I find it really calming and soothing yeah. interesting yeah I, I mean, to speak to the digital aspect of it, I mean, that was a, an accidental thing, but it's something I mm -hmm. noticed right away when I made these. I don't know how many I made. I mean, I made like 30, some 40 or so mm -hmm. of these, and they're all, they're not huge. They're either, there's kind of two sizes, well, there's three sizes. They're either, actually, there's more than three sizes, but <laughs> um, most of them are either 24 by 24 inch squares or 24 by 19 and a half inch rectangles. Mm -hmm. So they can actually, I've hung them a lot of times where they go together or they're a grid or something like that, mm -hmm. or they can be by themselves. Um, but it's kind of mm -hmm. interesting to like see what happens when they become right next to each other and there's that kind of hard cut mm -hmm. in between them. But the digital aspect to me became part, and I don't know, you can't really pick that up so much in the, in the image, but when you see them in person, there's a drop shadow. Like we get so used to seeing on our screens, like how they're, you have a mm -hmm. screen on a screen and there's that little drop shadow that happens. There's a drop shadow because I'm working on the front of it. And then literally there is a shadow to the quarter inch thickness to the background. Mm -hmm. So that was something that was like, for me, a really great surprise 
that happened just in the choice in the way the material responded. And it's something that I capitalized on later. You know, I noticed it and then I was like, okay, that's a theme, you know, to, to work through. Talking about digital, the dots, can we talk a little bit about the dots? Because that's really what, uh, how I got just sucked into the painting. Remember the dots painting? Mm -hmm. That To me, I, I think I already told you earlier that I felt like I was looking at pixels. But then, you know, there is a grid to which is really something with my graphic design background and interior design background. So I always look at the grid. So I was fascinated. But the grid is very subtle. I think with all your paintings, they really in, invite you and encourage you to get closer. You know, you can look, you can step away and look at them as a whole from the distance. Yeah. But I feel like there's so much more to see when you get closer and then you start exploring. And that's when I get really excited because, oh, there's a grid, you know. And then I, I really felt like I was looking at pixels at some point. And then I learned about New York Times being incorporated in that and actual words, looking at the digital work where you step away and you see a photograph when you, you know, when you zoom in, you see pixels. Right. So it seems a little bit like that's what you're doing. And I mean, that's how the work kind of presents itself. And then there's this kind of urban aspect. And I wonder if there is, you, if you think, maybe even it's not even conscious, you lived in New York, right, yes. for quite some time. Yeah. So do you think that that kind of urban scene somehow translates to those pixels, that series? And my question is, there's lots of pink. Lots of pink, yeah. The pics or the, the grid and the, and the dots and that. That's what I was kind of starting to talk about because I thought when you pulled up the other image, I thought that's what you, mm -hmm. were, you were asking me about. So with that, sometimes there is, it varies. When I first started making the paintings using that, I think they, yeah, they were, they started them as a big wall painting. I did a the big wall painting show that was then, you know, painted over. It was in a gallery. Um, and I did a couple of them like that. And what I would do is I didn't, I wanted to have only the letter forms there and I wanted to have them really tightly connected to the grid. So there would be this kind of, this kind of slippage where you would see, you could read the letter, but then you would abandon that that symbol for the phenomenal <laughs> phenomenon of looking at the specifics of that blown dot and and just kind of shift that like that constant shifting back and forth so when i when i did them i didn't want to include the grid at all so when i did the wall drawing i i stretched lines you know like strings really tightly put screws in the walls and then you know stretched lines and then removed the screws patched the holes you know, I wanted it to be really like, just like they just appeared there, but they appeared there kind of perfectly on the, on the grid. And I, I did that um, then with some of the initial paintings where I, I wouldn't, I want, I would line it up and so you wouldn't be able to see the grid. In all the newspaper pieces I did, I also had like a, an overlay, I had a, a template paper that I would put over the top of everything and I would just put, punch little tiny pinholes through everything and then use that as my grid. So I would, or use that as my guide. So again, I wouldn't have the grid on it. So the one piece that you have pulled up there, it's an ohm painting. It's the white ground with uh, just the black dots on it. And they're letter forms. So it's, it's O, 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 you know, like three rows of O's and then a, a row and a half of M. So it's like, oh, you know, oh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is patterning. Those dot forms pull together in ways that are not representing their, their the symbol of the letter, but representing just kind of movement and arrows and, you know, little 
wares. And so there's that real tension and movement. You can read the grid in that, but it's pretty subtle. But then when I started doing the more color ones and I was like using snap lines and I was getting the like the fluorescent orange snap line because I knew I was going to work in colors that would, as my mother would say, used to say, would clash, you know, like these kind of clashing colors. And I wanted the snap line to stay. So what I would do is I do the snap line and then before I would start to paint on it, well, actually, I would paint on it, but then after I would do the blowing of all the dots, or or at least a lot of them, I do many layers of playing around with the color. Then I would mix up a solution of acrylic medium and water in a spritzer bottle, you know, and just lay them down and like spritz over the top of it enough that that chalk from the snap line would connect to the canvas and not like fall off or get be able to get rubbed off, um, because I really wanted that dryness and that color of the snap line to be there. Yeah, and so then I, I just pushed the idea, you know, played with it. Like, you know, what would happen if I, you know, really activated the negative spaces? And if I played with the negative spaces and made those things have qualities, and I guess I was always guided by that, the idea of that slippage, a slipping in between readability, you know, an optical playing with your mechanics of your eyes. Mm-hmm. I saw them make their way to more architectural space, like a window or door, oh, yeah. glass. Kind of, they made it into the physical space outside of canvas. Yeah. yeah, they. since I had been doing all that work on plexiglass, I started to think about the idea of like, what if I were to put the dots? And I was layering the paint a lot too. So again, I sand down the, the surface so that it would hold the acrylic and I would lay the plexiglass, the frosted, frosted because of sanding plexiglass over, gridded out, you know, drawing that I did on a table. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I could just use that to catch the um, paint and then I could work on the backside of it too to give it all, you know, to really enrich in it. And I, I hadn't thought about the idea of it being in a window, but you know, it was like one of those things in the studio leaned it one of the pieces against the window or held it up or something like that and was like oh my god look at that (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i had a studio visit with someone that was interested in the work and i actually held it to the window to show them how they were buying the work for uh, to be Mm -hmm. like just framed or you know just be hung on a wall but i also then i showed them that and then they got back to me later and asked me if i'd be interested in design doing some for some windows and uh, so i designed it specifically you know got some big sheets of plexiglass and and did these window pieces when i installed them i mean you know i was just sort of amazed at how well it worked i mean it's like it's facing east or west i mean it gets the direct sun you know at a, mm-hmm. at a, in, the, in the afternoon you know starting afternoon to the mm-hmm. evening so it's like you know, it's very like cathedral-like, you know, I mean, it's, it's stained glass, but it's stained, stained plexiglass. Well, and then I did, I did a couple that I made for windows at Laney Contemporary that were part of a, like a group show that are still there in, not, no, no longer displayed in the gallery, but kind of in the storage, painting storage room, you know, but they're in the windows too. So if you're in that mm-hmm. room, you, you know, the light comes through, but they're not on display. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, I love it how we're talking about grid and urban spaces. It's all abstracted. It's all abstraction in your painting. But then it's like the other way around. Now it makes it back to its actually in physical environment yeah. where it becomes part of architecture. Right. Which right. is great. Yeah. 
No, thank you so much, Todd. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing so with me and our listeners all your ideas. I mean, not all ideas. That would be impossible to do it within an hour to share all your ideas. It's a lifetime of That's ideas. all I got. That's all I and, got. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and your work. If I may ask this question, is there a new project in making right now? What's next? I am doing a collaborative show with Gonzalo Hernandez. Gonzalo had been a student of mine, graduated a few years ago, and he'd been a student of mine, and then he was my TA in, in this conceptual art class that I teach, conceptual art practices class that I teach. And we've been developing this this work, we wanted to do a, a two-person show and didn't really know what that would be. We just wanted to do something together. And so he's from Peru initially, and or it's where he's from, but he lives in the, in the States now. So he's, Spanish is his first language. I have no other language besides English. <laughs> so, you know, he'll, sometimes he'll, we have this discussion of where there's no word for that in English or in Spanish and just that kind of the nuance of language. And so he kept saying to me, you know, like, like in texts, you know, Spanish is hard. And, you know, so then we, then we just, we just trim that down to S I H. And then we are like, that's the name of the show. That's the, that's the name of the show. So we mm -hmm. were make we've been making work. Initially we started sending, he, he moved to Kansas city and then, and now he's in Miami. But when he initially moved, we were, sending physical mail back and forth a few times and then we started doing things digitally and sharing them and then so it's segued into what it is now and it's still the spanish is hard show anyway i don't want to give away what it is it's um gonna be in the fall this coming fall and it's a, a space in atlanta georgia called the end project space that's run by the artist Craig Drennan. And uh, it's a project space that he set up and he's been doing shows there for a couple of years now. It's not a commercial gallery. It's more, it's, you know, project artist project space. And so it's not really built around the idea of necessarily of making things that'll be permanent or necessarily it's not built or geared around sales. So yeah, it's fun. We're, that's going to be the next thing, but I just continue to paint. You can see, here are paintings in the studio they're they're just they're coming out of the uh, show at laney and i'm also seeing the kind of sculptural elements right behind you that's an umbrella that's been freed from its constraints that's another thing i didn't talk about in our talk but i talked about i think in the thing that you saw i remember hearing you talk, talk yeah. at uh, delaney yeah mm -hmm. it was it's just an umbrella it's like one of those things that just appears in your life that no one bought or you don't know where it came from and is just purple kind of beat up purple and silver umbrella that I based some of the paintings that are in Laney part of aspects of them are based on that umbrella I was referring to it as the punk umbrella which again is like a, to me a funny thing because there's nothing punk about an umbrella <laughs> so then I you know now I've been playing with it like I, I freed it from its umbrella cage and, and then I cut the cage up and, and I'm actually using the parts of the umbrella to hang it so they're like they're the nails that it's 
walking around. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was an umbrella. I can see it on Zoom yeah. now, but yeah. I thought it was part of your painting. Yeah. Well, which, you know, now it is. Now it becomes a tool. Yeah. Before I let you go, Todd, it's hard to let you go. I want to hear more and more, but uh, can you share with our listeners? And I will share the same information on our website and social media, but can you share where we can find your work or can find your uh, project? Well, I am on Instagram and it's Todd Schroeder Zero, the number zero. I also have a website. I believe if you search Todd Schroeder Artist, you should be able to find that website. It's a, a work in progress. It's always work in progress. <laughs> okay. Also, the what you pulled up, the, the Laney Contemporary website. So mm -hmm. if you go there, that's it's really good. They put in any press that has been written about shows, and they are part of Artsy. So from there, you can link to Artsy and see everything, Great. too. So. And I will also share the link to the video they posted about your process because we've talked a little about it and I got to see some tools you were showing me here, right. but that would be great. I think some listeners might want to see it too. Right. So once again, Todd, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you to that crazy bird. Got a bit quiet, came back for a it second, did. but then just kind of decided it was time, lunchtime. So right. it's time to take a break. Right. It came back yeah. closer. I think it was like right out my window. So. Yeah. <laughs> had things to say all right Todd okay. thank you have a wonderful rest of your day you and much. I'm looking forward to hearing about that new Spanish is hard exhibit I'll keep my eye okay, on it great thank you thank right. you bye bye, bye, -bye. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Bird Podcast. The Crazy Bird Podcast is hosted by Violeta Kaminska. Our guest for this episode was Todd Schroeder. You can find Todd's work on his website at toddschrauderartist.com, on Instagram at toddschrauder0, and at laneycontemporary.com. Our theme music is inspired by Tambourine by French composer François-Joseph Gosset. The improvisation is performed by Agnieszka Kowalik. Nature sounds were recorded by Violeta Kaminska. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Violeta Kaminska. 